All right, welcome to Gal on the Go Unplugged. Samantha Mina is an award-winning indie author of the six-volume young adult dystopian spectrum novel series. I met Samantha by chance two years ago at my neighborhood Barnes & Noble. It was during her book tour right before COVID hit. Uh, I was immediately intrigued by her book series, and I asked her if she would do an interview for my Gal on the Go blog. Uh, fast forward to today, she is back on a book tour, and I'm super excited to catch up with her. So happy that she had granted me that blog interview, and grateful again to connect with her for this interview. Um, thank you for joining me today, Samantha. Thank you for having me. Well, you know what? Let's get right into it because I'm sure listeners are going to be really excited to learn more about you. So you did an appearance at DC Awesome Con. Um, what was the most memorable part of that experience for you? Okay. Uh, so the DC Awesome Con, wow, that was my first big convention basically since the pandemic struck. Um, so it had been um, like a year and a half plus since I had exhibited at a large event at that point. Um, so prior to the pandemic, um, my books were included maybe over a dozen stops per year. I try to do at least one to two big events a month, you know. And at that, so at that time, setting up my booth and, and blurting my spiel a thousand times a day, that was old hat, so comfortable with it, you know. But after like, 16 plus months of lockdown, however, <laughs> when I went to the DC Awesome Con, I, uh, I felt like a, a freshman on her first day of high school or something. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would say the most incredible part of my experience at the DC convention um, just about a month or so ago was, um, I mean, the sheer number of, of customers who would just walk up to me after having not seen me for like two years and say, oh, hey, it's Samantha, Mina, I've read, I've, I've read your first four books. They're great, God, do you have book five? Is that out yet? Can I get it? And I'm like thinking in my head, wow, you know, like, what, that's a sort of surreal experience. I was, I was thinking, what's, what a reassuring moment, you know, when you're feeling uneasy because you haven't put yourself out there in public for almost two years and then, that's how your first event goes. Um, that was just extremely incredible. Um, and so uh, the attendance at this convention was capped at 40%, and my booth was out in the boonies. I'm talking way back in the corner of this huge hall. It was the worst placement I ever had at any event in four years. Um, but despite all of that, um, actually broke my own personal record that weekend. Um, which was completely unexpected. Um, so the, my previous record was maybe like 90 or so books sold at an event, uh, but at the Awesome Con 2021, it was 115. Wow, that's uh, so, cool. So that was a very humbling, affirming, gratifying, surreal, you name it, you know, experience. Awesome, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay. So that was, um, you know, no wonder why memorable experience for so many reasons. And okay. So you started your book tour, you know, now we're in this, like, I guess you could say post COVID time. Uh, mm -hmm. 
What's your favorite aspect of doing a book tour? And what's your least favorite aspect? Okay, sure. Uh, let's see. So most of us writers, we're the quiet, shy type. You know, we prefer sitting all day at a computer and dreaming up fantasy words, world on paper. You know, we like to just sit quietly and write. But unfortunately, no matter how great your work may be, um, it won't get read or circulated. Um, unless you actively put yourself out there. So we're talking this shy, quiet writer having to basically become a salesman, a marketing manager, a self-advocate, etc., all at once. Um, so I'd say getting out of my shell and facing customers in person or signing events, speaking events, exhibits, interviews, etc., that's definitely the most challenging aspect of embarking on this journey for sure um as for my favorite part um i i guess it would be like seeing your life's work you know like the books that you poured your heart and soul into all these years um like touch lives and kind of seeing your world go beyond just yourself and being in your head um so watching your fantasy world becoming like others reality so, for example, I, I will always remember, um, her name was Sarah, she was a young, I think maybe 14-year-old girl uh, that I met on my first four, uh, four days exhibiting at, uh, it's called uh, Authors Avenue, which is a, a portion of Gen Con in Indianapolis, uh, a couple years ago, maybe 2018 or so. So at the time, I had only had two books out. Uh, now there are five and there, there will be more. But at the time there were just two. Um, and Sarah, this, this young girl, she read the entirety of book one overnight after, after purchasing it on the first day of the convention. Wow. Um, and then came back the following morning with her whole family to purchase book two and tell me how much she enjoyed my creation or family was all about like wanting to take pictures and such and it was it was adorable you know whereas the first day they were just like oh whatever you want a book sure i'll get you this random book <laughs> the second day they were like super excited and wanted my picture with her and and things like that and like, this is hilarious the change over the course of you know 24 hours and so sarah's excitement was so infectious and so readers readers like her i mean they have absolutely no idea what an impact they make on people like me, like authors like me. So she and people like her is, you know, they're, they're the highlight of my book tour. You know, I mean, I've, on my book tour, I've met, you know, New York Times bestseller Terry Brooks. Um, I've met core uh, publishing founder Tom Doherty, etc. I'd say like Sarah's ex meet the experience of meeting readers like Sarah, like is just right up there with meeting these other famous people, you know, like people like her, like are the reason I write. Uh, so that's definitely my favorite aspect of doing a book tour. I love those shares because, you know, that's why I think you're just an amazing woman because of the fact that you care so much about your readers, you know, that proof in that experience you had with Sarah right there. And then I think it's fascinating your share of, let's say, you know, like the least favorite aspect because I don't think people think of like personalities and you know what goes into the behind the scenes part of book tours and you know what that means to you as an individual and as an author um it's just so cool i love that perspective that you share 
Yeah, because I, I like to say <laughs> that um, writing the book is is like only half the battle. That's the fun part, to be honest. <laughs> so writing the book is only half the battle. Then, then after that words, you have to become uh, like a, a market marketer, um, which is definitely, I'd say, a very new and different experience for a lot of us author types that like to sit behind a computer. <laughs> <gasps> very fair. Well, okay, so with the book tour, um, what stop on the tour are you most looking forward to and why? And whether it's like the venue, the city, like any aspect. Sure, sure. Um, Let's see. So due to the pandemic, um, which is definitely winding down, but it's not exactly gone in my perspective. Um, And my perspective is going to be a little different than most people's because I am uh, immunocompromised. Um, and my husband is an asthmatic. <laughs> so the two of us have to be maybe a little more careful than than your average, you know, young, healthy person. Um, and so due to the pandemic, my book tour still sort of remains a bit more stunted than what I've always done in the past. Um, and so I'm not I'm, I'm still not quite up to doing. 12 to 20 you know events a year quite yet and um and and when i do go to events they have very strict protocols they're capping attendances they're requiring masks really really if you're if you're uncomfortable being a marketer <laughs> try it with a mask on where you can't even hear the person you're talking to and they can't hear you and you're shouting through a mask and it's it's hilarious but that's anyway. an extra challenge <laughs> um, and so uh what i'm looking most forward to i'd say as as a, an immunocompromised individual um I am really looking forward to the day I feel comfortable getting on an airplane again. <laughs> so that way I can return to doing events across the country in person um, and not just those within driving distance, which is what I'm doing now. So right now I'm, tr- I'm, I'm you know, doing Maryland, Virginia, DC, things like that. I just, I bet I really want to be able to return to Chicago and San Francisco and back to the Indianapolis Authors Avenue, which is incredible. I'm really, I'm just really looking forward to getting to expand again and returning to that life where I'm happily on a plane every other weekend or something, but we're not quite there yet, sadly. Yeah, well, I wish that for you. You know, I hope you can return to that sooner than later because we all need experiences like that, you know, like um, Mm -hmm. you from the author standpoint and then your fans, you know, interacting with you on the opposite side, you know? Uh, Absolutely. So, so hopefully that's coming. Um, hopefully. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm encouraged, you know, by the progress that's been made thus far. So I'm getting to do something like the DC convention, which is usually one of my biggest stops of the year. I was, I was just excited that that piece of normalcy is back. Um, my next convention is in a couple of weeks. I'm going to the uh, Baltimore uh, Comic-Con. Oh, cool. Uh, in the Inner Harbor. So I'm pretty excited about that. I love the Inner Harbor. It's such a beautiful, wonderful place. Well, I hope you ha- have great success there and a good turnout. Um, you know, so you, you, you resonate with your readers, of course, in different ways, you know, um, based on like ages and interests. Um, and they say that parents have a favorite child. So, out of all the characters that you've created, who is your favorite and why? 
Okay, it's I don't I don't quite have a favorite character. Um, it's it's too hard to choose. And another funny <laughs> thing is, a lot of people love to ask, like, "Oh, is, is this person based on anyone?" Actually, like nobody is based on anyone <laughs> in my books. Um, and people find that hard to believe, but, but but no, really, they're they're legit, not based on people. <laughs> so, like in general, you know, obviously I could I could nab characteristics here and there from what I encounter in the real world, of course. I mean, we all have to do that when we write, but um, I don't have a favorite character and I don't have um, a specific inspiration for particular individuals in the book. Um, so instead of a favorite character, I actually have a favorite book in my series. Okay. Um, which is also kind of unusual, but um, I'd say a book... Well, when I ask people, they all have different answers. It's hilarious. Nobody, nobody agrees with each other. Um, That's good, though. Um, they all like different ones. That's series good. Is the third one so far, and I'd say I had the most fun writing it um, because it had it has what I what I consider like more of the intense, juicy protagonist interactions. Um, and so I'm all about characterization. When I'm writing my books, I, I just my favorite thing is just fleshing out these characters and really getting the reader to attach to love or hate <laughs> the characters. And so, see, there's a lot of face-to-face -face interaction between the two top protagonists in the book, uh, Cease and Scarlet. Um, so that was that was the, the book I had the most fun writing. Now, if you ask different people what their favorite is, like for example, Robert, my husband, his favorite is book two because there's a strong um, like spy plot to it where there's a double agent and he's just really into, you know, James Bond and things like that. And so that resonated with him. Um, and so everyone has a different answer, but I, I liked, I, I'm into Cease and Scarlet being face to face and interacting. And that was definitely something that book three really shined in. I love that because I think people would possibly assume that book one was because it's your first book and there might be like a sentimental reason for it, but I love that it's book three. That's like a wild card answer to me. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. Now, okay, so, you know, um, you obviously had uh, an influence on Sarah that you had spoken about, you know, um, from the DC Awesome Con, and, you know, uh, there's people that I'm sure have influenced you from the beginning or throughout your, you know, author experience. Who or what influences your writing process? Sure. Um, so I'd say the answer to who uh, would primarily be Orson Scott Card. Um, he's best known for uh, the book Ender's Game. But there's, that's, that's sometimes the only book people remember him for, which is unfortunate because he has dozens and they're just so wonderful. Um, but basically, okay, so prior to reading my first Orson Scott card novel um, at age 16, I'd actually never touched science fiction or fantasy before, ever. Wow. Which people find it hard to believe and find that hilarious, that I, I didn't grow up a sci-fi or fantasy fan um, at all. Um, I just basically liked, you know, literary, realistic fiction. Um, but by now, I mean, fast forward to now, I've read almost everything Card has ever written. <laughs> so, oh. complete change. But uh, what happened was, in the 11th grade, um, a friend of mine, whom uh, one of my books is dedicated to, um, her name is Bethany. She literally, we were in, we were in the in the school library at my high school. She literally went to the shelf, picked up this book, and shoved the copy in my hand. It was Ender's <laughs> Game, <laughs> and she demanded I read it. 
And I was like, I mean, I love, I was like, I love reading, but uh, science fiction, really? You know, that was, that was weird, but I was like, okay. So, but to my great surprise, I got hooked by the first sentence. Wow. <laughs> Which doesn't happen too often. And so um, what captivates me about Orson Scott Card's work is really not the world building or the sci-fi glamour, though those are a lot of fun to both read and write. Um, but what really grabbed me was the quality of the characterization. So I strive to put the same degree of intensity, complexity, and depth into my own characterization, um, which actually in, in turn draws a larger audience. Um, so amusingly enough, I've been told by a lot of people that my work appeals to far more than your typical sci-fi reader. You, know, you don't have to love sci-fi to get to, to get into it. So for example, <laughs> there's a 60 year old lady who said she only reads, um, what is that genre, Amish romance? I was like, what? That's even a genre? I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying I didn't even know that it, that existed, okay? And that was, that's just like what she had only read for years. And she has this vast collection of these books and she's an avid reader of them. And that's just her, her jam, you know? Uh, but then she, she told me that she binged my books. And she said she just couldn't stop and that it would keep her up at night. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and she said previously she never touched, you know, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Ender's Game, nothing of the like. Um, but, and hearing that just really made my day. Um, so I'd say Orson Scott Card, greatest influence um, for sure. That is very cool. Well, uh, see, that's why influencing people of all ages, all backgrounds, that's why I love about literature, you know, because it's so all uh, encompassing and welcoming. So, okay. Now, of course, there's the um, typical like writer's block that's always spoken about, you know, um, have you ever experienced writer's block yourself? So people are going to hate me. But no. All right, it's all good. <laughs> but, but, but okay. But the the good news for for anyone listening who might be um, an aspiring writer or a writer currently experiencing writer's block, it's not like I have some superpower where I just never run out of ideas. No, no, no. I my I attribute my lack of writer's block to the unorthodox style and process in the, uh, the, of my writing process. And so this is something that anyone can do and I'm gonna talk about it now. Um, so basically, okay, writing is, it's a very emotional experience and how you feel at the moment you're sitting down to write really matters. It's not like completing math homework. <laughs> it's not like, okay, fine, this is something I have to do now. Like, if you approach it that way, well, gee, of course you're gonna be blocked, you know? Um, and so what I do is, is I write what I feel when I feel like it. And okay, so what this might look like is I have an outline, like, okay, I want this and this and this and this and this to happen in the book. Um, and some of them are gonna be, you know, battle scenes and action and other of them, others, other chapters may be more heavy on intense emotional dialogue and, and so, things like that. And so if I don't have to write chronologically, you know, just look at your outline and say, you know what, today I really feel like action. I feel like I need to, to, to just get some action-packed battle scenes. And so I will skip ahead or behind to that part and write about that. Oh, I love it. Um, and then let's say the next day or the next time I sit down, I'm just really feeling like, 
emotional. Maybe I just heard like a deep song on the radio or something, and I just really want to write, you know, intense dialogue between protagonists. So again, I will go to my outline and skip ahead or behind to a scene that requires that. So that way I'm always writing what I feel, what I'm, what I'm in the mood for. And I feel like that produces by far the best work than being like, oh, I guess now I have to, what's next in the story is a battle scene and I'm really not feeling it, but here we go. Like, it's like, don't be afraid to write out of order, to skip around because you always can go back and edit and make it, you know, create those seamless transitions. It doesn't need to be perfect the first time you're sitting down. So if it's choppy and disjointed in the beginning, that's okay. You need to get something out on the page first for you to be able to <laughs> work with something and edit it. So that is the reason I haven't experienced writer's block. So it's not some magical power I have. It's just <laughs> a method that I discovered through trial and error. And I think it's something that any writer can, can try doing and realize that, oh, I don't have to have writer's block. I love that that's like why readers, I think, resonate with your books so much because you organically produce them on feeling base, not on like skeletal structural base, which is like so much more kind of like a robotic way, you know? Yes, um, right. So uh, uh, it obviously comes through in your writing and resonates with readers. That's uh, amazing. So, okay, so your readership is, you know, dominantly preteens, teens, just by, let's say, classification. But um, as you spoke to, it resonates with just people of all ages. And so, but going based on the teens, right? Mm -hmm. What do you want them to take away from your book series? What would like fulfill you as an author knowing they, you know, took away such and such? Right. Okay. Um, so basically, okay. If you want to get some messages across, the best thing to not to do is to like thump them on the head with it. You never want your writing to seem preachy and didactic. You never want them to feel like they're reading a textbook <laughs> or <laughs> listening to a sermon. Uh, that's just this is just a different different mode entirely. So if you you want to embed a message or a theme but you need to do it in a manner that makes it consumable and appealing to a teenager. Um, so basically, okay, beneath, you know, the fantastical like world building and the sci-fi sparkle, um, beneath all of that, which is fun to write, but not, the, but not the point of the series. So beneath all of that, my books are truly just stories about, you know, the, the young men and women who like selflessly consecrate their lives to defending their country. Um, so it's whether, you know, on this earth in the year 2021 or say 3000 years later in a fictional dystopia like Second Earth, where my books take place, um, there are certain themes that still pervade, per pervade, like sacrifice, honor, bravery, love, fear, turmoil and confusion, all these things that compose, say, say the heart of, of a soldier, you know, but these these concepts are timeless and transcendent. And so. Um, Spectrum, you know, it follows a pretty eclectic cast of, of basically young people. The, the, the age range varies as, as, as the series does right through the generations, but um, starts off with, you know, young 15, 16, 17 year olds um, who are basically embarking on some crazy journey um, in which they discover that freedom isn't free. Um, and so 
they're so I'm hoping that teens get these these greater lessons but don't feel like they're being you know berated in in a sermon or a history class or something I love it that the, I, I like that subtlety you know mm-hmm. I, I I agree with you I think so many times growing up, you know, when people kind of like told you things directly, you, you write it off like, yeah, whatever. But if you, you pick them up subtly and you get these like kind of like the aha moments, you know, I, I think that's just like um, a more receptive way of picking up on things and enjoying things even, you know, to your point. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It makes it makes it consumable. And then as the characters are experiencing certain trials and things, the reader is, is in a way experiencing it with them. And so they might gain a perspective that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so we're in this constant pivoting world of surprise lately. Um, what can you share? What would you like to share that you have coming up next as an author? Yeah, absolutely. So the Spectrum novel series is going to be six books. Five of them are out, but the sixth one is in progress. It's actually um, my voice actor is still recording the audio version of it. Um, so book six is, is written, but uh, the voice actor is still recording it, and then I have to proof listen a few rounds. Um, and that should be done and released by March 1st at the latest. Um, so that's that's happening. But after the Spectrum series is over, I definitely have a lot more planned that's going to happen. So the following book after the Spectrum series is called Living Ghosts, um, and it's it's a, a medical thriller. So I'm completely changing genres here for a moment. Um, and it's a medical thriller based well, inspired by my <laughs> own health journey. Um, so I'm a survivor of an extremely rare um, disorder called Superior Mesenteric Artery Syndrome, or SMA syndrome for short, um, that it was in, 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 incredibly unknown at the time where uh, I was suffering from it about 10 years ago. And um, at the time, there were about 500 recorded cases in history only. Um, it's an illness that causes very painful, spontaneous starvation. Um, and so I, and I had to be my own self-advocate. I had to do internet research and demand tests from doctors and basically, basically construct my own path to my diagnosis and treatment. Um, where otherwise I was told that I was probably going to die. And so um, I wrote, uh, or I'm writing a book called Living Ghosts that follows a young teenage girl who uh, is, who has SMA syndrome. Um, and so basically uh, reality is definitely stranger than fiction. <laughs> um, so people may find some of the things in that book even more bizarre than, than what's in my sci-fi fantasy. <laughs> because reality really is stranger than fiction. So um, I'm fictionalizing the book a bit, as in, and by that I mean changing names, dates, and places, because my intent in this book is not to uh, criminalize doctors or or anything like that. And I'm not trying to throw mud on anyone. And so I'm, I'm setting it in a fictional location, you know, but it's basically everything that happens to the protagonist in that book has happened to me in some capacity. And people who know me well will, will, will recognize that. But um, so that's going to be next. Um, and then after that, I'm going to do another science fiction book that is um, not part of the Spectrum series at all. So it's a standalone science fiction book called Aqua Earth. 
Um, and it is, I actually have like a, a back cover synopsis that I, I, would it be okay if I share that? Yeah, absolutely, please. Okay, great. Uh, so here's the back cover synopsis of Aqua Earth. Um, on the water world of Aqua Earth, human beings are born as daemons with gills, webbed feet, and lung buds. Occasionally, during puberty, lungs develop to capacity while gills close. These rare air-breathing adolescents are sent to live on the sparse remaining islands. Thousands of years ago, land was plentiful until eventually succumbing to the rising sea levels brought about by global warming. Nowadays, life is grueling for the land dwellers, known as terrestrials, as space and resources grow increasingly limited. Several colonies are forced to flee aboard boats as their homes continue to drown. Disgruntled and angered, the Terrestrial Council, the governing body of the islands, secretly plots to terraform Aqua Earth to expand their habitat and extinguish the underwater daemon population by freezing the oceans and developing glacial nations. At age 16, Niall Viresen's lungs mature, but her gills mysteriously do not close. She discovers that she is able to survive both on land and underwater. As she struggles to find her place in society, migrating between the seas and the islands, she learns of the secret war bubbling beneath Aqua Earth's surface and comes to paradoxically sympathize with and feel rejected by both communities. She and her Damian boyfriend, Sarah Cellini, the heir to the underwater empire, embark on a dangerous journey to bridge the gap between civilizations and stop the impending terraforming genocide. Wow. Uh, so that's that's going to be Aqua Earth. That's going to be coming up after Living Ghost comes out, um, and then after after Living Ghosts and Aqua Earth come out, I'm going to write a book called Cicada Serenade, which is about uh, a young boy who is in in who lives in my hometown of Reston, Virginia, <laughs> in the year 2038 when the periodical cicadas emerge, um, and then after that. <laughs> planning on writing um, a, a daily devotional book. And so I definitely have a lot of projects that are going to come after Spectrum. Well, Spectrum is my first, you know, first love. It's definitely not going to be the last thing I write. <laughs> so what you're trying to say is you just have a few things coming up. <laughs> yes. So, I have, so Spectrum is going to be six books. I have four more books planned after that. So there, there will at least be 10, but who knows what will happen in the future. That's amazing. So to uh, current fans of yours and future f fans that I hope after hearing this interview with you, you have plenty uh, for people to digest, which is like really cool. Um, thank you for sharing that Aqua Earth, you know, synopsis. I, that sounds like so interesting and really relevant to you know real world and the concerns about you know global warming and stuff so mm -hmm. I, I think that one's going to be um very popular <laughs> <laughs> for a multitude of reasons um well you know thank you for taking the time to unplug with me today samantha i so appreciate it uh, if you'd like to buy, which I know that you will, uh, a paperback, an audio, or an ebook copy from Samantha's Spectrum novel series, or any of the books that she's going to be having coming up, um, please go to Amazon, your Barnes and Noble, 
Google Play, um, so many other options. And to see what Samantha is up to on Facebook, you could go to samantha.mina. So that's at Samantha Mina. Mm -hmm. And also uh, my uh, Facebook page for the Spectrum series is called Spectrum Novel Series. <laughs> so it's at facebook.com slash Spectrum Novel Series. You heard it directly from Samantha. Uh, Samantha, I hope to have a follow-up with you after your other books come out. That would be just like amazing to catch up with you and see where you're at. Um, but thank you for taking the time today to share about your passion, your craft, and rock on!